Chatting with Sherry. Tonight we welcome award-winning author Nina Kierke Hoffman. She's a best-selling author. She has lots of books, like 40 books, and we talked about inspiration and writing and all kinds of good stuff. Here's Nina. Hi Nina, welcome to the show. Thanks Sherry. How are you? I think I'm doing okay. It's it's the day before Thanksgiving. I'm looking forward to having a nice meal with my friends. Yeah, me too. Um, are you a turkey or a ham or a goose or what kind of a, a Thanksgiving person are you? <laughs> or a veggie? <laughs> well, I, I really like turkey, actually, and I, I don't get it other times of year, so I'm looking forward to that, too. Yeah, I'm a turkey girl, too. I'm That's the way I was raised. Um mm. Although I had an ex who was a, um, he was into vegetarianism, and so, and this was a long time ago, and so I did have one Thanksgiving with a vegetarian Thanksgiving, which was with his family, which was really interesting, but I don't know if I would have continued it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, people this morning were talking to me about how fake meat is really good anymore. I haven't really tried it, but... Oh, yeah, it's not like the old days when people yeah. used to go to... Yeah, the first time I ever had vegetarian food... Don't laugh, because it is kind of funny. Vegetarian food was uh, Linda McCartney, uh, Paul McCartney's late wife. She had veget- vegetarian meals that were frozen, and you could buy them at the supermarket. Mm. They were so delicious. I mean, um, and I mean, it was, I mean, my mom and dad, I would, I, I had, I bought extra and I brought it over to my parents and neither of them were vegetarians. I said, you've got to try this. And they go, oh no, no, I don't like vegetarian food, especially my dad. And I said, try it, try it. And he tried it, and my mom, oh, they both loved it. I mean, it was the best. I, was, I mean, I know that it stopped because Linda passed, and I guess they didn't want to continue her her food uh, thing. But uh, oh. I just, we just love that. That was the first one. That's the first nice. time I found out you can eat vegetarian food, and it was good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I, this is many years after that ex-boyfriend. I mean, if they made vegetarian food like that then, yeah, I might have had Thanksgivings that were vegetarian, but they didn't do that then. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. doughy tofu with no taste, you know? <laughs> that does not sound good. It wasn't. Yeah, the world was a little different then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, vegetarian food is like, really delicious now I mean it's really tasty um I have vegetarian food a lot I go I like to go out to vegetarian restaurants it's healthy um and like I said it's tasty so (laughs) yeah but still for Thanksgiving turkey uh yams with um maple syrup and and brown sugar and cranberry sauce and you know, the whole schmear. <laughs> that's that's me, old fashioned girl. Yeah. And I'll probably watch the Thanksgiving I, I like to watch the Macy's uh version of the Thanksgiving Day Parade because they show uh uh the Broadway shows and it's my only way of ever seeing Broadway shows. <laughs> huh. I don't get up early enough, so. Oh, they repeat it. I think it's like here, I think it's like, I don't know if it's 2 o'clock here or Eastern, but it's in the afternoon. It's like opposite the Super Bowl, which is just fine. My brother will watch the, not the Super Bowl, the Rose Bowl. 
My brother will watch the Rose Ball in the living room, and I will watch the parade in my room. <laughs> oh, good. If you've got two TVs, that's handy. Yeah. Um, because I just, oh, no, I'm not, not into football. Yeah. But, um, and especially college football, I just, I don't get it. Um, but he loves football, that's his thing. That's good. But I love Broadway, and it, it, they have I mean, it's usually musicals. They don't usually show the... Because you're in the middle of um, the street in front of Macy's, so it's really not the conducive to having a drama um, or even a comedy. But they're going to have things like Spamalot and a bunch of other shows that I've never seen that I really want to. So even though it's just some scenes from it... Uh, uh, it's I, I, my mom actually told me about it. Uh, they she said um, she taught me. You always put on the Macy's uh, 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 Thanksgiving because they always have a special thing with Broadway because it's right in New York. I had no idea, but now I just looked it up and and there's some interesting things there. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm dying. I, I love, I love seeing, I mean, I've seen shows that were going to Broadway, and I've seen shows that came on tour from Broadway, but uh-huh. I've, I, and I lived in New York for, uh, um, well, New Jersey for about a year, but I've never actually seen a Broadway show in, on Broadway. Yeah, neither have I, but I, I did get to see Lion King um, mm-hmm. at Jean because we get Broadway touring shows, and it was fantastic. Yeah, I saw I saw that, too. I saw that in... in I, I lived in L.A., so I saw that in L.A. I also yeah. saw um, Phantom. Um, that was fantastic because, um, because I was an actor. Uh, they had a special thing that they had a... Inexpensive showing if you had uh, any of the cards uh, after a SAG, they weren't merged. Nice. And so I got I got a special um, price ticket to go see. I was floating for a week after I saw Phantom of the Opera. Wow! (laughs) And it was was with Michael Crawford, so (laughs) you know the best. And I'm sorry. I love some of the other Phantoms. I saw I saw Phantom in London too. Um, nice. But my favorite's still Michael Crawford. It was I, maybe because he was my first time seeing a Phantom. I don't know, but oh, that voice. <laughs> so yeah. okay. Yeah, but um, so I've seen I see, like I seen I set I've seen touring companies of Broadway that have the stars sometimes. Um, like Michael Crawford, um, they had a different Christine. I can't remember who played her, but, um, it was a different person. Um, but, um, but it's just not the same. I mean, I would like to see, before I die, it's on my bucket list. I want to see one Broadway show on Broadway. (laughs) Oh, I hope you do. Uh, I can't help it. I'm a daughter of two people who spent their honeymoon going to Broadway shows. <laughs> Why didn't they take the kids? Because know, we, weren't we weren't yeah, born yet. We weren't born yet. But I mean later. They could have taken you. Well, at the time we lived in New Jersey, my father didn't have a lot of money. So it, he couldn't afford it. Yeah. Uh, spendy. Looks spendy. It's, it's expensive to go. It's actually... I think it's to go to a Broadway show that is now on tour is about 20% of what the price of a ticket is on Broadway. Mm. Which tells you. <laughs> you need to save up. Yeah. But it I, might that, be cheaper. Yes. Yeah. But then I'd have, I mean, there, it would be a whole big deal because I'd have to fly there. I'd have to find a hotel. And it, it would be a whole big thing. <laughs> yeah. But if I ever go to New York for some reason and uh, everything's taken care of, then I will go see Broadway show. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Yeah. I mean, Are you in San Diego right now? Yeah, I live in San Diego. Oh, okay. 
seems like there's probably a theater scene there, right? Oh yeah, we have some great thing. We have the uh, the American version of the Globe. Uh, nice. Yeah, I saw a musical version of a view, um, a Room with a View, that was absolutely spectacular at that at that place. It was just oh, beautiful. Um, and it was my first time in that theater. We had just moved here. And it was me, my mom, and my brother for my birthday. And no, wait, no, this one was for my mom's birthday. It was for my mom's birthday. And <laughs> we, um, we really had such a good time. It was, it, but it was, I was just excited to go in there because it's a, it's a whole, it's an absolute replica of the globe in England. So I was nice. just look at that, look at that, look at that, look at that. I was just so excited, <laughs> just being in the theater. We hadn't even gotten to our seats yet. I was in the, <laughs> I was in the entree area, and I was like, look at that, look at that, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we just watched Shakespeare in Love, so we got to see the the globe and the yeah. Yeah, it, it's uh, I saw it when I was in England, and it was just it's a really cool place, and I just yeah, I would I would it, it's really funny because they because they had a fire we had a fire with our replica globe, and it took about five years to rebuild it. Um, oh my goodness. I've, I was in Los Angeles when that happened. I was a kid. Um, mm. I was a teen. Um, and um, they, a few years later, had the same thing with the real globe in England. So their globe is a replica like our globe is a replica. Huh. <laughs> so there is no real globe anymore. <laughs> They're both replicas. No, no people's memories. Yeah, and they do really good job with replications because it it looks the outside and inside looks in uh in, the one in England looks exactly like the globe except one thing that I'm really happy about there's no pit. <laughs> oh yeah, that you know seem like where people fun. stood to watch a play that's gone. I mean, it's no vegetables and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't do that. Um, they have real seats and everything. We went to see, when I was there, I went with a um, sister of a friend of mine, and we went to see As You Like It. It was amazing. Oh. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, I, I, it's so funny. I, I couldn't meet up with any of my relatives, but my friend's relatives were happy to meet up with me. And I, yeah, I went, I met two different uh and it was two different sisters from two different friends who took me around to different places. It was really cool. <laughs> nice. But, but, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, have you ever been to London? Yep. Did you love it? I did. Yeah, I've been there a couple of times. I've only been once, but I loved it. <laughs> I, I had a really good time. I saw. I I was in London. I was. We went to. Um, we. I went by myself for this. I went on tours, but I went. I went to see um, the Stratford and Avon. That was a day trip, and then I mm. took another day trip to. It was a three-parter. It was Stonehenge, Salisbury, and Bath. Wait, and, Stonehenge, Salisbury, and what? Bath. Oh, Bath, yeah. I spent a couple of days in Bath with my friend. See, that's what I really would have liked, but I only spent a few hours there. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, it was pretty cool, yeah. Yeah. I'd read all these Georgette Heyer romances, or Heyer, I guess, and so it was really fun to see the actual place. Yeah, I was thinking Jane Austen when I was there. I was like, this is really cool. <laughs> um, and also, because I studied archaeology, it was cool to actually step in something so old. Um, I had never, I mean, uh, being from the U.S., you, you, there's uh, some really great stuff with Indian culture that's amazing, but and that's old. But, uh, but other culture that's here, it's not that old. It's like 200, big deal. They have thousands of years old stuff in England. It's just the coolest thing I ever saw in my life. <laughs> 
Did you see the church and bath with Jacob's ladder up the front? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That was pretty. Yeah, I, we went to the group I was with. We went to first uh, the church, and then we went into down through the church down into where the baths were, and we mm. we toured down there, which was so much fun. Yeah, they've got kind of an archaeological dig thing under there, right? Yeah, it's, oh, it was cool. That was my, my happiest moment. Wow. <laughs> and I think in the whole time I was there, I mean, I was I was where the Romans stood. It was, and there was Roman coins and there was jewelry and it was just ah, it was so amazing. You should go to Rome. Heavens. I never got to uh, the pump room because we didn't have time. We went to a uh, pub because we went to a pub for lunch, and then we went uh, home. We went back to London, went back to our hotels. Um, so uh, I didn't get to spend that much time. You know, my, my friend, did you go to all the bookstores? I go. We had like maybe three hours. No. <laughs> it was like a bus tour, so you didn't have that much time before you had to climb back on. Yeah. 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 And um so yeah, you ha- we had 3 hours in Bath. We had about we had about uh, uh Salisbury and um and uh, Stonehenge are right next to each other. So mm-hmm. we had a little longer in Stonehenge. I think we had about 4 or 5 hours there. Uh wow. Yeah, and then we went to Salisbury. They had the coolest church. They had like the first timepiece in that church. It's a huge thing. It's, it sounds like it's a little clock or something. It's huge. It's like the size of a mega computer. It was humongous. But oh. it was, like, really cool. I mean, yeah, I had a really good time. <laughs> yeah. And it was so funny because I was a travel agent at that time. And the people at our office said, now, remember, you don't, you're an agent. Don't behave like a tourist. And I looked at them both. And they were both from England. And I looked at them both and they said, I am not a rich person. I may never get to go to London again. I am going to be as much of a tourist as I possibly can be. I'm not going to be an ugly tourist because that's not my personality. But I want to see everything I can. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. But, I mean... So, I mean, that you got to see it twice. It's just, ah. Did you get to go to, uh, like, um, did you get to see Charlotte Bronte's house or uh, Jane Austen's house or Agatha Christie's house? Any of those? I did not do any of that. Oh, that's one of my dreams. Someday, if I ever go back, I want to see those. I want to go to all the bookstores. Those, that's, nice. That would be my next trip. I want to, I mean, I would still spend time in London. Because I love London, but I want to see because I want to go to all those bookstores too. Um, but I real those are three of my hero writers, so I definitely want to see their houses. <laughs> I did get to see a play. I think it was the play that goes wrong. Oh, I love that name. Oh, it's really good. What's it about? Well, it's just like a lot of things go wrong in it, but uh, um, it was really fun. I think I. My friend Martha took me to that, and I think it was in London because I was visiting her in Cambridge. Yeah, I went to the her, uh, when I went to a play. I did go to one play. I went to see um, for me and my gal. No, no, ah. I went to see a Phantom, and then um, I saw for me and my gal in L.A. Uh, I saw Phantom there. That's where I saw Phantom again. I went to Her Majesty's Theater and saw Phantom. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, you know what's really funny? This is the funny part. I just was watching a documentary about, it's a, it's a, it's a series of uh, documentaries about the theaters in England. And I was like, um, they showed the, Her Majesty's Theater, which is now, I guess, His Majesty's Theater, because there's a king. Um, but uh, I didn't realize how big the thing was. I mean, it's humongous. It's like five or six stories. 
Because when you go in, you just you just you're 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 there in the front. You're really only paying attention to the area you go in and the marquee and and the posters and stuff. You don't really look up, especially at night. <laughs> you know, it is such a big place. <laughs> ah. That was the part that really shocked me. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, they showed the Haymarket Theater, uh, the Prince of Wales Theater, and the Her Majesty's Theater are the three documentaries I've seen so far. Really interesting, fascinating. If you ever, it's on Tubi. Um, if you ever um, are, don't have anything to do and you like theater, looking at about the history of theater, it's so cool <laughs> alright good to know but yeah I really uh, I really love that um, either the thing about the Haymarket was that um, I saw another documentary behind the scenes of Waiting for Godot with Ian McKellum and Patrick Stewart and um, they in, in during the documentary that I was watching now they were talking about the ghost of one of the actor managers who ran the theater that keeps <clears throat> showing up. And I remembered in the other one, as I was still watching it, that Patrick Stewart actually saw the same ghost on stage. Ah. And Judy Dench saw the ghost and... Um, there was somebody else who saw it. There was a bunch of pe famous, very famous actors who have seen the ghost of the actor manager. I mean, he just likes to be noticed, I think. <laughs> uh -huh. I mean, with Patrick, <clears throat> he, he, he wasn't paying attention. He, and, and Ian goes, that wasn't normal. He, even if he's not in the scene, he pays attention to what everybody's doing. So when they got off, he said, did you see that person that was in the front right on right by the footlights in front of us <clears throat> and Ian goes no I don't know what you're talking about he goes yeah I was just about to walk over there and give him uh, my mind and he disappeared <laughs> pretty spooky isn't that crazy isn't that like one of the best ghost theater ghost stories you ever heard <laughs> nice yeah and he didn't even tell it. Well, he did in the other in the other documentary. He told it, but in this one, Ian he wasn't in it, and Ian McKellum told it. <laughs> oh. But I, it's just it, I love stuff like that. I any kind of history. I, I, I don't. Do you like to go to old homes and old places, um, looking at museums and stuff like and and famous. Um, homes that have been turned into museums and things like that. I love doing that. Do you, have you ever done well, it? I really like museums a lot. And I guess I've been to some old homes. I was thinking when I was a kid, we went to Hearst Castle, which was pretty fantastic. But it would be fun to go there again because it's been a long time. Um, but uh, as far as people's homes, not so much. We did get to go to um, the Brighton Pavilion that was King George... Oh, it was crazy. It was really wonderful. Yeah, I, I never got to... I didn't go to Brighton, so I didn't get to see that. I've seen it in movies, but I never got to see it in person. Oh, it, it's amazingly weird and wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, he was a little strange. That was George the Fourth, right? I believe so, yeah. 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 The one who was the regent who... Right, right, yeah. during the regency, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was really cool. If... if I go to the World Fantasy Convention every year, and um, it's in a different place every year, and it was in Brighton, um, in, uh, you know, about six or eight years ago. I don't remember exactly, so we got to go there and look around. We went to Paris first, and then London, and then Brighton. That's really that cool. Eight. That's really yeah. cool. I love that so kind of stuff. Big trip a year, yeah. I, uh, if I could ever afford it, I want to go to... Um, the annual Agatha Christie convention in Devon that's at her house, Greenway. Because then I get to do two stones at once. I get to see all these great Agatha Christie uh, people that know everything about her. And then I get to see her home. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I mean, that, yeah, because every year it's at her house. It, it takes place at her house. And I think there's like 
they call it the barn and that's where a lot of the the lectures and stuff are and when people do their talks um i know that because a couple of podcasts i listened to podcasted from there and the echo in that place is abysmal (laughs) i don't know how people hear (laughs) huh yeah, they finally figured out a way to record it with uh, this year. They recorded it without it going echo, echo, echo. Everything everybody said, echo, echo, echo. You couldn't understand what really um, what some of the people were saying because if they talked even a little low, it just it sounded like whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, it's like so maybe it was haunted. But also, it sort of sounds like there's motorcycle people where you are. Yeah, unfortunately, there's nothing I can do with that. It goes right through uh, the walls. and uh, There's some people who like to um, rev their engines, so everybody in the apartment complex has to hear it. Yeah. I'm not... I, I have friends that are motorcycle people, and I have absolutely nothing against motorcycles. But when they do it during my podcast and when they do it in the middle of the night yes i do have issues with it (laughs) yeah they do there's somebody in our apartment building who does it like at two or three o'clock in the morning not every night but several nights and not only does he rev he makes sure he goes close to all the cars so he sends off all of the alarms is that sweet I, I think he's a jerk, <laughs> or she's a jerk, yeah. whoever it yeah. is. That does sound irritating. Yeah, two or three o'clock in the morning, and I have enough trouble sleeping. Yeah, I was. I'm not happy when that happens. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's a pain. Um, I'm gonna do a little transition here. Um, I wanted to ask you, when did you start writing? Uh, did you write as a child? I did. Yeah, when I was about 12, I started making things up and writing things down. Yeah. And? And been doing it ever since. Yeah. Do you remember what inspired you when you first started? Well, because books would end, and I would get frustrated because I wanted to read more, and I wanted the story to continue, so I started making up things that went past the end of the book, and then I started making up my own people. Derivative, but, you know. I would. I wanted to have the stories go on. I. I. That's why I started writing fan fiction. Was because um, I hated. It was TV shows and books. You know. What do you mean you're going to end there? I want to know what happens to this and this and this and this. Yeah. <laughs> you go. You kind of end what now. Kind of fan fiction, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wh- which fiction were you fanning? Uh. Well, first Star Trek. And then uh-huh. original, original cast. Sorry, motorcycle again. Um, uh, first yeah, uh, yeah. Star Trek original cast, and then uh, Remington Steel. Oh, nice! Yeah, and, and then Xena, Warrior Princess. Uh, oh yeah. And last one that I was doing was Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, which takes place in the nineteen twenties and. Even though it's a modern, a modern uh, a writer who uh, she actually was a lawyer, who writes books. Um, both her books are set. I think I don't know. I never read the other series. I only read Miss Fisher, but uh, both her books are set. I think in the nineteen twenties. Uh, who's the author? Carrie Greenwood. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the the books are different from the TV series. There's, um, I mean, the Phryne, who's the lead character, Phryne Fisher, is the same in both. Um, but uh, love interests and stuff like that are different in the books as opposed to the TV series. And um, and other, uh, they they took some characters away uh, that were in the uh, books that were live the whole time and, and still are alive in the books. And uh, the uh, butler's wife was one of them, and she was, uh, he was a widower when he came to work for her, stuff like that. But basically, it's the same. It's murder mysteries, and she's like a, 
She's like a 1920s detective, aristocrat, very rich superhero. <laughs> that sounds pretty fun. It is. I love it. It's one of my favorite series. It was only three seasons on TV, but oh, they were three seasons worth watching. <laughs> All right. I made a note. Yeah, it's such a fun series. So, but those are the those are the ones that I did fan fiction. Did you do fan gotcha. fiction too? Nope. No, no, I read some, but I didn't do any. So I was making up my own characters after after the Ghost of Dibble Hollow, which I wanted that ghost to stick around. Then I started making people up. I made up my own people too. I mean, that's I started. That's how I started writing my own. I wrote my own stories even before. But mm. but um but I loved fan I still I still read fan fiction. Um mm. but uh different shows. Uh I you, you get into you, at, at a point you get to the point where uh you've read all of the stuff that they have and you kind of get you you move on. Yep. <laughs> but to me fan fiction is relaxing. Where as working on one of my own stories, it's not relaxing. It's very huh. hard and tense. Although I have fun doing it at the same time. It's like this weird dichotomy. I don't know how you feel about it, but that's how I am. Because I, 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 I want it to be really good. And every time I get like criticisms, I take it on board and I go, okay, okay, this is what I got to work on. So these are added to my list of things I've got to make sure are good. <laughs> mm. That's how I am. I don't. I mean, I don't know how you are, but that's the way I am. Are, are, do you worry about criticism, and do you take that on board? Um, I do. Uh, I workshop stories for sure, and I try to take in what what I believe will serve the story that I have in my head. And I give myself permission not to take in the stuff that's not going to serve my vision of the story. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Sometimes it's rough. Um, you know, I'm not. I, and sometimes it's just mean spirited. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about honest, real, constructive criticism. Then that stuff I take on. Yeah, I think it's 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 fine for you to pick and choose what you what you're listening to. Because you are the authority of the story, so. But there are yeah. mean people. Yeah, well, I try not to have workshops with mean people. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. No, yeah. I, don't, I, I, I used to have a, um, when I first started working on my writing, I used to have an editor. Uh, she felt that the only way to communicate was to be rude and mean. I, I, couldn't, mm. I couldn't work with her. I just couldn't. Um, yeah, that doesn't sound good. Yeah. And because I talked to other writers and I said, is your editor, like, tell you that your stuff is never going to sell and you're terrible and all those other things? And they say, no. And I say, and I'm like, well, this one is all the time. And, and they said, you yep. need to change editors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I don't know why they do that. It's it's really not conducive to getting work done. Um, there's s several schools of thought, but I would just say pick the one that works for you. Yeah. Yeah, I know, and I it uh, yeah you you're right because that that editor was recommended to me by someone, but I just I couldn't deal with her. Yeah. Yeah. Understandably. Um. So, I know that uh, you've written uh, several books. Um, is there one that's a highlight for you, or is it the one you're working on the highlight? Well, um, my first published novel was called The Thread That Binds the Bones, and I love that book. I reread it periodically, and there was another one in that series called Silent Strength of Stones, and I also really like that one. It's like you know, 20 years later, 30 years later, I think, how the heck did I do that? I don't understand it. <laughs> oh, isn't that the weirdest thing? I had that, yeah. I have that happen sometimes. I was, I had, um, I moved here about four years ago and to this apartment. And, um, and 
I'm st- I, I was going through boxes for a long time um, until everything got settled. And I found a box that I didn't remember of my writing. And I started ah. pulling stuff out. And I, like, some of them I remember, no big deal. But there was a couple of stories I didn't remember, so I pulled those out to read. I go, I can't believe I wrote this. This is really good. <laughs> <laughs> I know I wrote it. It's in my handwriting, but I can't believe I did it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have a, a writer friend named John Lee who was saying what happens is you become a temporary expert. Like I research the things I need to know, and I know them long enough to write the story or the book, and then I forget them later. And then when I look back, I think, how the heck did I know that? And it's all gone out of my brain by that time, but I get I impress myself. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I actually um, I had a submission that I meant I sent to a TV show, and I got these most polite uh, turn down uh, that you I've ever had. Um, basically, they loved the the script, and they but they said we have a, one that's very similar, so we can't use it. But uh, please do send again. Mm-hmm. I found that script and I redid it for one of my radio plays. <laughs> Ah, okay, yeah. <laughs> That's one of the good things about having my own radio play theater is that I could put up stuff that I, I had written earlier that <laughs> that never got on. <laughs> but I was like, yeah. and it was it yeah. went very well. <laughs> Excellent. It was the first time I heard it acted. You know what's cool is when you do radio plays and you hear your words come back to you. And you're like, I wrote that. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, I've never had that experience, but it does sound awesome. It is awesome. You should do it. You should try. Well, I don't write scripts. Oh, you could write one of our radio plays. (laughs) (laughs) We always need new writers because that's what we do. We we do uh, new plays from writers. And it... You may like it. I've had novelists who said that they don't think I could do it, and they 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 got hooked. They write all the time for us now. <laughs> Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, you never know. If you have a short story, something you might be able to turn into a radio play. That'd be okay. <laughs> okay. Um. So, do you have a new book that's out? Um. Right now I'm working on something called the short story cookbook, which is you take a 20-sided die and you roll up ingredients and then you start coming up with stories. So it's a teaching tool and I've used it with kids and adults and it's really, really fun. So I'm just doing an expanded version for a sale on in December. And so that's the book that I'm working on right now. It's just a whole series of things. You can roll the dice and write a science fiction story. You can write a Halloween story. You can come up with a monster or a shifter and then you, your mind can just go crazy with it so that sounds like fun it's really fun yeah i when i were you when you were a kid did you ever do those um uh make up your own ending stories that they came in books and choose your own adventure yeah choose I never, your own adventure. No, those came out way after i was a kid because i'm old <laughs> so yeah no i didn't do them i i, but I I was young, yeah. but I wasn't. I was. I was actually older than I was supposed to be reading them. I think um, I was. It's not too late. There's still some things like that going on now. Yeah, <laughs> I was in college, and I found one in our college bookstore, and I said, "Oh, that looks like fun," and I just got, "Oh, this is cute," <laughs> but yeah, yeah I was so, way too yeah, old so to do it. Cool. Yeah. Except sometimes, like, I, I was a bookseller at that point. I was at B. Dalton. And I'd look at those, and I'd think, wait, you end up dying a whole lot of times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, oh, my God. I There was I one murder mystery, part. one that I could not get this these people through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, I was kind of wary of that. Yeah. I didn't really want to die a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I think you have to be a certain age to do it. I don't think it should be a small child that does those. It should be, a, um, you know, I think, I don't know what the actual age is, but I think it should be more like a 13 or 14-year-old, not a little six that, or seven. They were middle year. Grade. I believe they were middle grade books when they came out. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, a little child should not do something like that. That That's too scary for them. Um, at least that's my opinion. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Um, my next question is a little bit of a transition, too. How did you okay. become a judge for Writers of the Future? Well, I actually sent a story into the very first quarter in 1984, and I got a third place. And so I was in the very first volume of Writers of the Future, and that was so great. Um, they flew us down to um, Los Angeles, and we got to meet like Ray Bradbury and all kinds of famous writers that I idolized were at the very first party, which was at Chasen's in Beverly Hills, um, and got to meet some of the other writers there too. Um, and that was just a wonderful experience. And uh, then I kept writing after that, and I was selling a lot of stories and, uh, and some books, and eventually they invited me to be a judge. Um, and that has been a thrilling too, uh, just because we, we get to look at the stories that people are turning in, and people these days are doing great stories for the contest. And then we get to go to the event and meet the new writers, and that's one of the things that I've, I've tried these roll-ups that I do with the young writers or the writers – the winners, um, and they seem to have a good time with them too. Uh, and it's just a fabulous event. So um, I'm really happy that I have this opportunity to be a judge and and to go to the contest as well. It's really fun. That's so much fun. That's really interesting, though. One of the first major writers I ever met was Ray Bradbury. He came to lecture I at my community college nice where were you at that point i was in la i was in san fernando valley he came and it was pierce college and he came to our college to talk fantastic and he was so sweet um and i met him a couple i met him a few more times after that i met him at the at conventions and stuff he was just the nicest friendliest kindest man uh just I loved him um <laughs> so it, that's cool that he was one of the people uh that was at teaching at the one you went to that's so well exciting. no he wasn't teaching because there was no workshop with the very first one it was just a big party that was fantastic so it was just a one night thing at uh, the very first one but you know what I think there was a whole bunch of like Rogers Lesney I'm not sure exactly but there was a whole bunch of what Harlan Ellison, a, a whole bunch of famous writers were at that very first party, and it was fantastic. I'd actually be a little scared of talking to Harlan Ellison. <laughs> well, uh, we became friends later, and he was always really nice to me. Oh, that's good. I just yeah. I heard that he doesn't, you know, he, he's not very friendly. That's what I had heard. <laughs> it depends on your approach, because there's a lot of people who would go up to him and just provoke him so that they'd get a Harlan quote from him. And he, he, you know, he was not shy about responding that way. But um, he could also be lovely. So, yeah. yeah. And he helped a lot of people secretly when Ed Bryant was really sick. Harlan was helping him afford the treatment he needed. I mean, he he had a lot of good going on, too. Yeah. That's good to hear. I'm glad. It's nice to hear the other side. I, I prefer that. I, I just... Um... I, I admire him. I've read his stuff, and I like him. Yeah. But um, I, I seen him at conventions, but I'd never approached him because I'm. I, it's not that I would ever. I'm not like that. I'm more like, hi, I really love this book or something like that. You know, I'd never say anything nasty. Um. Uh. But I. I, I was. I was very. <laughs> let's just say when I was the age when I was going to the conventions the most, I was a very shy, insecure, uh, even when I was in my 20s. So to, it, I would be, that's why I would have been terrified. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I too, I went to conventions and I learned to be more outgoing. So that was good for me. I went to a lot of conventions when I first started going. Yeah. And had a wonderful time. Me too. And, oh, there was one... That was at the LA Convention Center. That was a Star Trek convention. Ah. It, it had the entire cast: Gene Roddenberry, uh, Justman, the uh, producer, uh, uh, Dorothy. Um, Dor ah, 
I met her and I'm blanking out on her name. Oh. Blanking out on her name. Uh, shoot. Um, uh, she was one, she wrote Star Trek and she was one of the producers in Star Trek. Right. And she worked for Jean as a secretary. Right, I remember D.C. Fontana. D.C. Fontana. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I met her at a convention. Nicest lady. Um, nice. Yeah. It, it, uh, unfortunately, she was very sick when I, um, after I met her, I, she had said that she would be on my show, but she got really, uh-huh. really, really, really sick, so she passed away. Um, but she was, I was scared. She was sitting next to me, and this was as a woman, and I was scared, because this was an somebody I was idolized uh-huh. and she sat next to me we were both early birds which is kind of where, both... this was at the convention and she was sitting next to you where in the restaurant or what oh no i was i was this was years later i was uh, there to promote fantasy time inc my second book there and, there being where oh it was a convention here in san diego it wasn't comic-con it's a smaller convention oh, okay and uh she was um we were both on a panel together. Ah, okay, gotcha. We're sitting next to each other. Um, And um, she was, uh, she came in early and I came in early and she says, is this the right room? Because I was there already sitting at the desk behind my name. Yeah. And she said, I said, yeah. I go, yeah, we're just really early. She goes, yeah, I'm always there. I go, yeah, me too. And we, and and she sat down next to me, right next to me. Nice. And uh, she just made me feel so comfortable within seconds. I mean, she was such a nice lady. That's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. But the the thing I'll never forget from that convention, the big one at uh, the LA Convention Center, um, Gene Roddenberry coming oh. out and talking. And even when the big stars were up on stage, everybody was still chattering. You know how conventions are. When Gene Roddenberry was talking, you could hear a pin drop. No one was talking. No one was even sneezing or coughing. It was dedicated silence to the great bird of the galaxy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'll never forget that. Yeah. (laughs) Because I've never seen it again. Mm. You know? Well, that's great that you had that experience. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, did you ever, um, I mean, I don't know if you were, were you a Star Trek fan? Yeah, sure. Not, not, uh, right. Um, I didn't write fanfic or anything like that, but I love the show. No, I meant, uh, did you go to the convention, Star Trek convention? No, I've never been to a Trek con. They're fun. Uh, I've been to a lot of different conventions. I've been to Star Trek convention. I've been to a Xena convention. I've been to, like, uh, fantasy and horror, which I'm not a horror girl. I was more there for the fantasy. Um, but I've been to all kinds of different... I like going to conventions. I just... Nowadays, though, it's getting bigger and bigger and louder and louder and crazier and crazier, and I just kind of cut back. <laughs> I'll go to a small mm. one, but I won't go to a big one anymore. <laughs> yeah, the ones I... Well, World Fantasy is usually a 1,000 maximum, um, a 1,000 people. And then I, ha- I haven't gone to the local ones as much anymore, but they're smaller than that, yeah. Yeah, I like the smaller ones. I think uh, I've been to Worldcon once, and it was like five or six different hotels, and it was huge. And it's like, yeah, that's not my idea of a fun time. Yeah, I went to Comic-Con a couple times, and it was fun. But I'll tell you, there were way too many people there. It was like... it. it but the cosplay. I'm it sorry? seems like the cosplay would be fantastic. Oh, the cosplay is fantastic. I mean, they have... It's almost performance art. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> or maybe it is performance art. Yeah. Well, it is. I guess you. Would, I guess that's you would really call it dedicated fandom. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, the it's just it, yeah, and the oh, and the work they do on those costumes is just incredible. Um, the other place where I saw that was at the Xena convention. They always had a little parade 
and uh, they pick the best costumes and usually one of the stars like Lucy or Renee or somebody would pick the winner nice. and, and um, they all you should see them melt with the little kids coming in the costumes because they always had a section for the little kids but the costumes were so amazing for that but it was those are the two things I saw the most amazing comic-con and the Xena conventions were the ones I saw the most m- they work so hard on it. They they work on it for like over a year. They, as soon as they're done with the convention, they start planning their next uh, costume for the next one. Yeah, I, it's amazing. Yeah, the dedication of it. It's true. Um. So now y- you said that you were in uh, the first volume. What volume was that? Volume one. It was actually volume one. Oh my god. And yeah. do you have a copy? Um, sure, someplace. Yeah. Did it have the yeah. same title as it does now, or was it different? L. Ron Hubbard's Writers of the Future, Volume One, I think. Yep. Oh, so it's the same thing. Okay. It it was a smaller book. Now they do this beautiful book with full color illustrations that are just fantastic. It, back in that at that point the very first one was black and white illustrations and it was the size of a paperback mass market paperback but um still it was so cool yeah well yeah you're being published and you're getting paid (laughs) well plus plus you get a party with famous science fiction writers that i've been reading all my life yeah my friend dean was also in that volume i think as an honorable mention and so Wait a second. No, maybe he... I, I'm not sure, quite sure about that. I think he's in that volume, too. Uh, Dean Wesley Smith, who's now editing the anthology. It's so cool. Yeah. And uh, um, the other uh, person that I sat next to at that same uh, local little convention here uh, was Larry Niven at a, different, oh, nice. at a different one. And he was the sweetest man, too. Um, he was very- nice he comes to writers of the future too yeah that's why i brought him up because i know that he's a he's a he promote he's a good not not promoter that's the wrong word he's very uh into it <laughs> he's a, well he's he's just really nice and he gives a talk to the writers every year the writer winners that's really cool um, yeah yeah he's a really really nice friendly sweet man i like him yeah so that's cool um now we're coming to the end. Do you okay. have a um, website? Um, a, a fan of mine named Susan Ophirna put up a website, a tribute website to me, for me, and she's like she's the master of the website, and I'm so so happy that she did that for me because I don't I don't have a website of my own, which I think I should get, but I'm just like uh, I haven't taken that step yet, so. Mm-hmm. She put up this website where she lists a lot of the things that I've published. And you, I'm really, really grateful to her. Do you know what the page is? What the website page is? Um, I can find it and I'll put it in chat. I sent it to Carmen. Yeah. Okay. And um, do you do any social media? I am on Facebook. And are, do you have a page or how, how do people reach you on there? I actually have two pages. I've got the author page, but I never do anything on it. And I'm on, I just have regular Facebook page in my name. Okay. And uh, do you uh, communicate with the, um, on the Facebook page with the fans that might say hi? <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. For your website, I, this, that will be in the description when we, uh, okay. when I we just put broadcast. it in chat. Okay. Um, uh, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day for coming on my show. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a good time. Thanks, Sherry. Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry.